So if that means, say you're going to work out at noon, if that means at 10, you have a big plate of scrambled eggs or mostly egg whites with a yolk in there, piece of whole grain toast, and a handful of strawberries. To me, you have your complex carbohydrates, which is the bread and the strawberries, which give you the quick energy. And then you will have the eggs that give you the sustained energy. Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. You are hearing the voice of Robin Miller from Robin Miller Cooks, and she is a TV personality that's on local cable vision programs, networks, particularly like Bravo, CBS, This Morning, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Fox News, Food Network, Discovery Channel, Better TV, Hallmark's Home and Family, and HGTV. Now, this podcast is on health, nutrition. You're in the series or in the uh, season of health and nutrition for betterment. And that is, uh, you know, our, you know, we get into things like our visions of ourselves in the future. We're talking about stories of Robin's father who worked hard in a big architectural company he created and, you know, how she learned traits that she uses today and teaches her, you know, now out of teen boys and the value of her time off and how she doesn't save, save, save for retirement. She enjoys summers, you know, the, uh, the summers along the way. And we get into an interesting conversation with the parallels of Kelowna, British Columbia, and Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, and the value of teamwork. She was a professional lacrosse player for the U.S. women's team, and how that impacts her life as a lone wolf today, because she doesn't have a massive company, but she's a big personality and has to manage a number of different things. I'm excited, and uh, she highlights that there is always a way. So I look forward to sharing this episode with you. Robin Miller, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I can't wait to, as you call it, tackle real-life cooking challenges and uh, dish up some uh, time-saving tricks on uh, nutritious eating. So thank you very much for being on the show. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Well, we got, uh, you know, your recent you know, books you've done. You've done a ton. There's a new one coming out. Again, Let's. I think we should jump right into it. It's, yeah. it's got you excited. You got me excited before the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are we gonna What are we gonna see in the in the new book that's coming out on nutrition and, and healthy eating? Well, so this is my eleventh cookbook, and uh, no shortage of recipes in my brain. <laughs> you know, I lay awake at night thinking of what can I do now that's healthy, delicious, quick, easy. So, this eleventh one is just uh, very similar to my whole brand that has been um, what I've been touting for the last twenty some years is healthy, delicious weeknight meals that you can prepare for your friends, your family, your children, picky eaters, uh, grandparents, you know, just a little bit for everyone. And what's cool about it is, so in my um, Food Network show called Quick Fix Meals, people loved my morphing strategy. So it would be where I would plan one meal, plan for leftovers in that meal so that three nights later I had like chicken leftover or steak or pasta or rice. So I had like one toe in the water already for the next meal. So that was a jump start, a springboard, and it would cut out 15 to 20 minutes of prep time. So in this book, I do the exact same thing. So 50% of the recipes are recipe one. And then the other half of the recipes are recipe two using leftovers from the first recipe. So my chicken, um, my, my sheet pan lemon Parmesan chicken 
morphs into chicken fried rice or a uh, or chicken gyro or something. So there's there's a purpose. It's a purpose for everything. I did it with steak. I did it with pasta, rice, seafood, and pork. So the 100 recipes, 50 of them are recipe one, and 50 of them are called round two. Very and and where was the inspiration? You're uh, a mom of two, uh, yes. now track star, older uh, oh. university uh, <laughs> boys, but uh, yeah, you don't look like you'd have university boys. But uh, so, oh, you're sweet. Where where did that inspiration come from? Is that from your healthy lifestyle, it's, or is it my lifestyle? A hundred percent came from my lifestyle because my kids now they're really focused on track, but they were always into sports started with little league or t-ball and then soccer and we tried lacrosse and we tried flag football and you know you know the things that all that you have four and six you know when they're that age you try all the sports and you see which one they like or maybe they like three of them and you're busy all year long so that was me and we would come home at six o'clock and I was like I'm just like every other home cook right now or every other parent that it's six o'clock now what do we stop to eat on the way home from T-ball? No. So I was like, if I only had, you know, pre-cooked chicken, I could throw together fajitas. Or if I only had, you know, pre-cooked pasta, I wouldn't have to wait for the water to boil. So it was out of my own lifestyle that I created this concept and then ran with it and then started writing about it. And people just loved it. So that's it. I started doing it on the show. I started doing it in my books. So this is not the first book where there's a round one and a round two. My, um, Quick Fix Meals book has actually two spinoffs from recipe one. So say you make a big pot of sauce. Now you have maybe the next night you have bolognese and the third night you, you turn that sauce into a dip for something. So there's always a way if you're going to spend that much time in the kitchen, even if it's 20 minutes, I'd like to get two meals out of it. Yeah. So yeah, busy lifestyle is what drove me to create that concept. Well, how many other people would would be in that same boat? Uh, Everyone. <laughs> yeah, anyone with, with kids or... <laughs> Yeah. Achiever, and you've stacked up, you know, the classic entrepreneur that is listening, or you know, for our yeah. listeners, it's you always say, "Oh, yeah, I can make it there by five, or I could, I could fit that in, or I could fit that mm-hmm. in." And next thing you know, you nailed it with like, "Oh, it's six. So should yeah. you be prepping the meal at one when you have <laughs> a gap? But at one, you were, you know, no. lunch, like, I, or, or maybe somebody was napping, and that was the one time you had to catch up on the laundry, or something, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I lived it, I lived it." But the, and it's so tempting also, and this is the other thing too, it's so tempting to when you're out running around to swing through a drive-thru. And I was never that mom. I never wanted to be that mom. Because if you think about what you're getting and you're putting in your kids kind of late at night, right before bed, I never really relished that thought. So, um, you know, every once in a while there was room for that, but not as a regular, not on a regular basis. I wanted it to be my food. So I knew what I was putting in their bodies. You know, I want to have control over that. Not a lot of fat, not a lot of salt, and hopefully not a lot of sugar. Right. And you're, you're, so I find your career fascinating. You're in TV, you're in, you're authoring, you know, cookbooks. Uh, yes. And different shows. Yes. Uh, like how, how do you, how do you manage that? Like, is it, you work a lot for a month and then you're done for a month? Or is it like, help us understand what it's like to be in, like I maybe mentioned some of the shows you're on because I think yeah or I've been on because it's it's important. so the cool thing about my job is if I'm working all day that means people are getting fed at night <laughs> so I mean I'm cooking right I'm cooking right. and I'm and I'm writing and that's so I'm able to do that from home I've always been able to do that from home on my Food Network show Quick Fix Meals which is still airing by the way even though it's been seven years 
since I've did the last one. It's on Discovery Plus and Amazon Prime Video, all six seasons. That I had to go travel. So I would travel to New York and film for three weeks at a time. That was tough because my kids were younger. They were in middle school, elementary school. And um, it was tough to leave them for three weeks. Every once in a while, they would come to New York and they'd be on the show. Uh, But so that would be where, yes, I would have to leave. I'd have to just buckle down, do the show for three straight weeks. Um, My other shows I've done, I can do them in shorter times or I, since COVID, I've been doing all the filming here wow. in my home kitchen. Yeah. And now that the uh, we're over the pump, right? So the uh, camera crew comes here to my home. So I'm able to stay here. But as a general rule, so that's filming. And then the rest of the time I'm, I'm writing from home. I am um, I write articles for USA Today. I write the cookbooks. I write for um, The List and MASH, you know, like the Hollywood Reporter type stuff. I uh, do a lot of um, spokesperson stuff so I can do that on my own time, satellite, uh, radio and writing. So, yeah, it's kind of and the cool thing, you know, when when you're your own, I could kind of call my own shots because if I, you know, say I had a track meet, I wouldn't schedule something that afternoon. Not everybody has that luxury if you have to go to an office, but um, that's how I made it work. That's it. It's a it's a it's almost a beautiful way to to kind of have the work life balance. I can't. I can't help myself but ask the the wealth side of it is I don't I'm not asking for your deep dive into your wealth picture, but <laughs> in the in the film so as I understand it do you get paid regular per episode or you get sometimes it's a lump sum like I'm thinking in my head it's all different it's it's, all different. it's very different and what everyone will tell you is you don't get rich off cookbooks that's number 1 okay. <laughs> <laughs> you do it because you love them and you love writing and you love sharing your information but Often, you don't get rich on cookbooks. You do that for the passion. Uh, in the past, so Food Network's cable. In the past, I mean, I'm sure you've heard some of the record salaries that some of these people on Food Network are getting now. But when I was doing Food Network, it was, again, you don't really get rich. You get rich on being, um, or if you're going to get rich, if you know, you get your wealth from exposure and brand endorsements. So you have your show and now all of a sudden Tyson Foods wants you to talk about their chicken. And so, uh, because cable was notorious back then, was notorious for not paying high. Gotcha. Um, And so then you just work it. You just get the exposure and then you try to. And so I've always, always, always back then and still to this day, align myself with companies that I would purchase the stuff anyway. And that was already in my fridge, already in my pantry, um, you know, foods that I would buy, I would, you would never see me doing, uh, for something for a fried chicken company or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was always something that aligns. I mean, something came up this morning, um, and they offered me, they wanted me to promote the product and, and do an Instagram and a Facebook and, and all this stuff. And I, I, I write about the product and it's, it's nothing about me. Is it nothing ever to be like, why did she do that? Yeah. I've never heard her talk about this before. Why is she doing it now? So and I think that's maybe something like I would definitely put you in the class of an influencer uh, for your, your yeah. audience and and in general and social media, people can look it up and, it, you know, you've got the following. Is it stressful? Like, is there a we always see people it's like in their best. Form, yeah. You know? Oh, um, what's stressful for me? And this is this is the truth. And it probably sounds not authentic, but it truly is. So I did a, um, this is the perfect example. I was given, um, 
a, a project last week. And my, for me, what was stressful was making sure the product looked good on camera, that I did a good video, that I did a good reel, that I gave all the talking points because I love the product. I love the company. They were paying me well and I didn't want to let them down. So that is me. That's the, the you know, I I was like, God, I hope they like it. You know, they they were putting all this effort and 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 trusting me with their brand. And I'm doing it from my home kitchen with my own camera and lighting. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's the way things work now. They often don't send, if you're for the influencer stuff, they're relying on you to light it and mic it and do all the stuff yourself. And so, um, so that's where it's stressful, but I love that. So it always is going to keep me trying harder, working harder, getting my talking points down. I was in my own little corner of the kitchens, making sure I talked about the flavors I was looking for and, and how the product works is an, an aging process. It was a barrel aged thing I was doing. And so I wanted to make sure that I talked about all the things that were supposed to happen over the course of five days. And every day I did a little bit of it. So that's the stressful part when it comes to, um, I love now that people are ponytails and no makeup and, you know, showing their true self. I, th I think yeah. in the, in the micro and mid macro influencer level, when you get up into the celebrities, they're often always dolled up yeah, and perfect. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. And so it's a good segue to, uh, where you live in Scottsdale. <laughs> so I, I had some interesting stats that, so Scottsdale in May, the average house price was 845, 845,000. And in the town where, where we are just, just to the south of us is Kelowna, British Columbia. And it's median house price is 1.1 million. Oh, okay. So when I go around Scottsdale, I see a lot more money there. But I guess if you do the exchange, it's probably yeah. it's probably the same. But can you give us a glimpse into Scottsdale? <laughs> and you know, more into so you could say your circle of friends or your circle uh, of people yeah. there and their views on wealth. Are they living for now or are they valuing the future? Does that make kind of sense? Yes. So they call well so first i'll say i've lived here almost 18 years my kids were raised here born on the east coast but basically raised here they have great friends great solid families they got a fantastic education um they do call it snotsdale for a reason okay <laughs> but that's only parts of it so that's, that's, but, yeah it's a micro stereotype but yeah right and and so I can't leave that out because that is a thing. Um, but my friends, for the most part, are the parents of my kids' best friends because we've grown up together. We've known each other for 18 years. We kind of all went through the same track, school track. So I've known them since they were they, our kids were in second grade. Um, so those are the true friends that I have. Interestingly, um, I know doctors. I know lawyers. I know developers. Um, they, I, I guess it's, uh, I do, I do feel that they, they spend a lot more money than my friends on the East coast. Yeah. Um, you know, the people in Scottsdale will take an entire month at the beach where my East coast friends will take a week at the beach. So, um, you can imagine what a week in San Diego on the beach costs. I mean, a month, yeah. month. um, However, family is important to them. So that's why they do it. They do it to get all the family together. The ones that are in college 
the ones that are in middle school, all together in the same condominium for 30 days. So it's it's really about family. It's very important to them. Um, so I'd have to say they're 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 frugal in that way because they're cherishing family time. And I haven't seen a whole lot of. In fact, one of my friends, very 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 wealthy, just for the first time did a, a long overseas trip with her kids because um, they're going off to college and it's kind of the last time to really do that. I mean, a multi-million dollar home, but really didn't spend. So I think my friend group is not your average that you would see with the, you know, pulling up in the, in the swanky cars that have to be parked right in front of the restaurant. And right. um, why, uh, yeah. why I, I appreciate you being brave and, and waiting into that question. I think, why I bring that up is is as a as a youngster, my you know I watched my dad uh, sort of climb the corporate ladder, and you know he was save save save, and then when he retire, he was gonna do Phoenix, and it was gonna be he's gonna rent a house in Phoenix, oh. and you know Cave Creek, and you know yeah. up by Boulder, and you know so there was like this thing that I had growing up that like the epitome of wealth and the ultimate retirement is that you're able to save enough and then head down to Phoenix for a <laughs> month or two. And That's amazing. Yeah. So, so what, what I've come to realize is being an older and, and seeing, you know, that working with people that, you know, they get to age 63, they have all the money and then they pass away. You know, it's, it's a doom and gloom story, but it's happened. And yet they didn't yeah. get to use the money. Sure. And so, you know, could you go to Phoenix? So after seeing him go to Phoenix and do <laughs> that for a few years and then kind of come to grips with like, well, I've kind of done it. <laughs> and now what? You know, now it's yeah. like, well, you still got like another 20 years of retirement here. Yeah. So yeah. You know, it was kind of like, huh. Um, so I think we all have these visions of yes. like we, uh, in the future and we're huge advocates for, you know, live more of your life now yet be responsible yes. for your future. Yes. So, you know, maybe you can do a week in Phoenix, not a month, but right now. Yes. You know, and so whatever yeah. that means to different people and. Uh, yeah. I'm very similar because my father, I watched him grow his own business. So starting out, um, I mean, I just watched how hard he worked and how he would come home late every night at an architectural firm. So I watched him bust his butt and create this amazing company. I ended up working for him for a couple of years. I truly admired him. Um, and I think that's why I have the friend group I have, why I value my time with my family more than money while I work my butt off too, you know, because it's the work ethic that I was raised with. Right. Um, and he always said, you know, if you do what you love, you're never really working. And that is true. That is the way I feel. Um, and for me, I'm not that safe, 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 go to Phoenix. I'm that let's go somewhere every summer. So every summer with my boys, we have gone somewhere unique, traveled. So I'd rather enjoy it now because who knows? And I also realized that when I got to be a certain point, I stopped wanting to travel with my parents. So selfishly, I knew that they were going to reach a point where they were going to stop wanting to travel with me. So I tr try to cram on all these trips before. It sounds like there still might be one next summer. I'm going to keep ah. going. <laughs> well, if you, if hopefully the, the kids keep interested in the more that uh, I hear from yeah. clients that say, if the kids still want to go, uh, we'll keep paying. And I, I know that... Uh, <laughs> I guess I don't know how that long that lasts, but you know, one thing that, yeah. that you kind of said that it would be interesting, both your boys are, are in track and yes. you know, selling. Is there anything that your father taught you that you now teach your boys or you have taught them? I think there's them? nothing I've taught them that I didn't get from my father. I mean, I think my entire parenting style is my dad. Right. So at every track meet, at every event, 
cheering on. My dad would drive. I played lacrosse for the for the University of Delaware, and then I played for our United States women's team for a little bit. Amazing. My dad would drive five six hours just to watch me sometimes sit on the bench for half the game in the right. beginning when I was not playing all the whole time. And then he'd drive home. So 11 hours in the car just to meet, maybe watch me play for 15 minutes. So I've I've tried to never miss anything. That's why I'm going away when doing my Food Network show and being away for chunks. That was hard, really hard for me in case there was something pivotal I was missing. Right. Um, even if it was a school play in third grade, you know, and I didn't want to miss that. So there's that. And then um, just he, the way he was always like, there's always a way. He, he was like... You never hit a wall. You never, you never hear no. There's always a way. So um, just keep pushing and just wait for that yes. And so that that's the kind of the way that I have, I think, encouraged my boys to keep pushing, try hard, whether it's on the track, in the classroom, in life. You know, you're going to hit barriers. So my son is 20 now. And he's out there, you know, and there's there's things that he's bumping into. And hopefully I've teed him up to deal with them and handle them. And uh, if not, I'm here if he, you know, yeah. wants to call. But yeah, because kids are are not as, I think, sometimes kids are not as uh, street smart. Because, you know, especially when we, we coddle them. When you don't, you don't try, uh, but you actually yeah. have to try. Um, you know, we just went camping on the weekend and we're at the park and we're with our friends and they got like a lot of them are daughters. And so both my boys are climbing <laughs> to the highest point of this structure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're all like kind of looking and, if, you know, so it's kind of like the universe felt everyone's energy in my little guy <laughs> missed a grab and fell, oh. you know, went down and it was like a hard fall. And so all the, I just quietly walked over and I said, are you all right? And he just goes, I'm embarrassed. Oh. And, and then I just backed away and they're like, oh, you're so calm. Like we would have been panicking. And I'm like, well, <laughs> if you do that, then that's what's going to happen. But with yeah. boys, to, to let them, you know, our, our property is like risk-based play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come over and they're like, oh God, you let them go there. It's like, well, <laughs> at some point there's got to be a little bit of that, but it's hard yeah. not to. It's because you just want to, hey, that doesn't end well. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. In, indeed. And I've had my kids fall off lots of things because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're risk takers. But yeah, for sure. Um, you have to let them learn. And yeah, as a parent, it's hard. And but as with boys, it's easier, I think. What What do you like? What is your balance? So you obviously look uh, in great shape. What is your <laughs> balance of your your nutrition exercise, you know, this is, you know, wellness podcast. Everyone's kind of always looking for new ideas. And, and yeah. do you overweight on the nutrition as in like, do you spend more energy there to make lean meals or are you more in the gym? And I, uh, I work out every single day. Yeah. I have my whole life never stopped. I mean, even when I've had a stress fracture and I've been in a cast, I'm on the bike. So I've, I've never stopped, knock on wood. I knew we had our thing this morning, so I got out almost when the sun came up and did my, I run eight miles or I'll walk, run eight miles. I try to get that in every day. Um, even on vacation, I'll at least do 40 minutes if, you know, and uh, so I think it's 
even. And I do, I'm not the food police. So, and I, and I think that's something that I've taught my kids too, is that yes, there's room for indulgence. So we exercise when we can, cause they're not, I mean, they're teenagers in the 20 so they don't have to, <laughs> they can take days off and, you know, at that age um, and eat what they want. But I do know that when they eat healthy, they feel better, stronger, sleep better, um, you know, have more energy. So I think I have, um, it's probably, I would say it's a 50, 50 split exercise and healthy eating, but there's plenty of room for indulgences. So, uh, candy here and there, ice cream, chips. I mean, it's all in my pantry. I have it all. I always have. I've always had a well-stocked junk food stash so that my kids would never feel that they had to go get it somewhere else or that I, you know, my mom never had junk food. I always traded my lunches to get somebody's junk. My brother was vegan for a long time. His girls would binge on hot dogs when they came. (laughs) Yeah. So I never wanted to have kids that felt deprived. I wanted them to be able to go in and get an Oreo or a Dorito or whatever. And it's, it was never off limits. And often they would grab a cereal. I noticed like I came out to the kitchen this morning and I saw that my son at some point after 11 o'clock made a salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. I was like, that is cool. <laughs> you have uh, a master's degree in food nutrition from New yes. York University. So yes. I'm going to uh-huh. ask a selfish question in, so in CrossFit, that's, that's the sport that, that I'm into in mountain biking yeah. and energy, like an energy tank is what you need for the most part. Yes. You need a lot of energy. So yes. where in the food, you know, where, what would you say would be the ultimate, maybe one or two meals that are, you know, stacked with energy that is short-term, long-term, yeah. you know, so say an, uh, someone's doing an hour to two hour training session. When do I eat it? Do I eat it the night before? Do I eat it the morning before? Uh, And what is the actual food that you'd recommend? Is there a food sleeve or like a silo that I should tap into? It's an interesting question because I have dealt with athletes my whole life and they're my favorite ones. If I'm ever going to consult anyone, it's always an athlete because they listen and they want it better. Um, That said, everyone's different. So I may tell you to eat 30 minutes before your workout and it upsets your stomach. So some people can eat before some can't, but um, if you have a, and CrossFit's big, I have a lot of friends in CrossFit. They've seen great results um, and, uh, and they can stay with it too. It's one of those things that keeps it exciting for them. So they don't get bored. Um, But for me, some of my favorite go-to foods for, long-term energy, endurance, and repair. So post-workout recovery or things like eggs, nuts, uh, quinoa. So high protein for recovery and sustained energy. So if that means, say you're going to work out at noon, if that means at 10, you have a big plate of scrambled eggs or mostly egg whites with a yolk in there, piece of whole grain toast, handful of strawberries. To me, you have your complex carbohydrates, which is the bread and the strawberries, which give you the quick energy. And then you will have the eggs that give you the sustained energy. And, you know, that I love that. Not everybody can have nuts, but I feel that way about nuts. In terms of the night before, you know, a well-balanced plate. So I used to have uh, parties before the meets and I'd have all the athletes come over and we, and we called them pasta parties 
but I never just had pasta because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, um, let's say it's a misnomer, but it is, you know, only eating pasta the night before really that it's two nights before. If you look at research, it's two nights before like a meet or a marathon or whatever, that's where you're really getting your energy. And the night before, um, it can just be pasta, but I always had some kind of meat lean. So whether it was grilled chicken breasts or turkey meatballs or chicken meatballs or super lean or a meat sauce, super lean meat sauce, um, because you, you, those carbs, by the time the meat or the activity happens the next day, those carbs are pretty much burned up. Right. So the protein is where you're going to get that sustained energy. And it's also really important after a two hour workout for recovery and hydration. Um, all during the workout for sure. And a little bit of electrolytes in that hydration for something really long. I don't know. Some people do propel or Gatorade or just, um, vitamin water for workouts that are that long. I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to hydration. I just don't. And I'm a nutritionist. Pardon me. I don't do enough. I don't do an, I don't do enough at all. And so I, I'm always like, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and then, yeah. And then post, and then again, post-workout, not everybody's hungry right away. Um, but you know, one of the, it just reminded me one of those things that my kids loved and one of them doesn't even like oatmeal, but it was always good on meat day because it's, it's, it's a complex carb. It's better than it lasts longer than cereal. Not as heavy as dairy, not as heavy as dairy, or some people react to dairy. Give it a long-term source of energy versus because you go to the meat and they just have bagels and peanut butter. But a big bowl of oatmeal, um, you know, two hours before the meat always seemed to be sustained energy. Just took longer to break down than a than a, a white bagel. So so that that to me is sort of like um the gas in the tank. Mm-hmm. You put the gas in, and then in like yes. race cars or drag cars, they have nitrous where they push a button and it like hits it with like an uh, a highly yes. combustible thing. So, yeah. you know, when I think of like uh, nit- the nitrous or the boost, uh, you have you done studies on food and like epinephrine or adrenaline or like how like connection between like basically I don't know if there's even a connection, but food, nervous system, muscles. Well, I haven't, but there are lots of studies out there. Um, and ha- are you talking about like halfway through a workout, what you can do for the boost? Well, I, I, so here, here's a scenario I posed to, I, I have a sports counselor. And so I like talk to her about the workouts and talk to her about, you know, my head space. And what I noticed was like when I started working out and you're into the gym, you like don't know anybody you got this adrenaline kind of happening and you actually lift quite a bit. And so it was, it almost like had this like right out of the gate decent. Then I sort of plateaued and then I'm trying to find the next yes. plateau again. And it, I, I, I recognize now like new people come to the gym, their first few, like couple yes. of months, they're, they're, it's like, wow, have you ever, you've never worked on this workout, but you're like, and I'm like, I was that guy. And I think it was cause I was so excited so that there's a connection, there's something in the mind that's more than just, oh, put good food in, hydrate, take a pre-workout, yeah. lift. And that's every true. workout stacks on itself. It's there's something else going on in your head. I think you're right. I think there's the initial excitement, um, and, but it's something new for your body too. So it's not just your mind. Your body's this is something new and exciting. Everything's 
turned on, it's charged, your muscles or the nerves are ending or firing and everyone plateaus. That's when you need to switch it up. So that's when, you know, I know CrossFit does, does switch it up, but I, but I have also seen people plateau as well. So maybe that's when you go for a run outside or you start getting on the stairs or you row or you do, I mean, I, or, or you do something that you haven't done. So for me, when I feel like I've hit a plateau and I do because I run all the time. So I will go do a insanely hard hike. And the next day, my legs are on fire from scrambling. And I'm like, I I obviously don't use those muscles when I'm running because I can barely walk today. So, So that's when I knew that changing up and using different muscles. So People that, you know, people always say, Robin, you should do yoga because <laughs> I, you know, you should calm down. Sure. Yeah, you should like, calm down. I can't. It's so slow. But, you know, people that, um, you know, I, I, runners that do Pilates are sore in all different places. Right. So using different muscles will wake up those muscles, start firing and give you that same endorphin high um, that you get from that first day of walking in the gym. But I do, I do agree that it's the excitement, but it's also muscles and nerves that have not been stimulated and, um, and you're sore in those first few months. So then I guess there's, there's not really any food that is pre that will fire, help fire or the energy will, but then after your recovery food would be better. Like your, your (laughs) recovery food could help the muscles your recovery food, if you're trying, if you're definitely, if you're trying new um, exercise and working different muscles in order to get them to grow and recover, then yeah, recovery food. So protein. Yeah. It's during, I mean, studies have shown that like during a workout for some people, chocolate does that. So, but good chocolate, not milk chocolate, like dark chocolate, um, 60, 70% cacao, you know, the good stuff, you get a little bit of sugar, but you get the caffeine. Um and, you know, some people pop the caffeine jelly beans. I don't know if you have them there, but, I don't, but they were in all the yeah, sports bags. And pills. Uh, they mostly just mix it in with the pre-workout. Uh, yeah. So, um, but chocolate is, 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 is tremendous effects anyway, because it's got the, the um, polyphenols. It's got antioxidants. It's got uh, caffeine stimulates the nervous system. It's got, um, you know, it's just a powerful food. I have this stuff I love that um, that I do when it's when I come back and I'm cold from a run because it does get cold in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have drinkable chocolate, so it's sweetened with monk fruit. It's no sugar. Okay. It's, it's it's very low calorie, but it's just pure drinkable chocolate. And um, so I do it for the antioxidants and the recovery and a little bit of caffeine. So um, there are all those kinds of things. And if you and if you just, if you Google recovery foods, you will see that it's it's usually something very like almost a perfect food. So when I was getting my master's, we compared everything to the egg because the egg is like the perfect food. It's got everything you need, all the, all the protein, um, on a scale of one to a hundred, that was a hundred. And then we would compare everything to the egg because it's got I me mean, think about what it is. I mean, it's yeah. creating a life, right? It's got everything you need to create that life. And so, but some people don't eat eggs. I mean, you got the vegans and you have, I mean, I'm allergic to egg yolks. So I'm a big egg white fan um, for the, for protein. Back in the bodybuilding days, it was uh, 12 eggs in the blender in the morning and then 12 eggs in the blender before bed. Raw, right? Raw. Yep. Yeah. And I probably got salmonella once. <laughs> <in three months. laughs> 
<laughs> I believe it. So I've steered away from the eggs. Uh, I eat them, but I, I, uh, I think that's maybe a nugget that you've just uncovered for me. So thank you. Cause I, yeah. And those are so many different ways you can do it too. So, I mean, uh, having a whole bunch of hard boiled eggs makes life easy too. You grab one, you can just throw the yolk out if you want just the pure white protein. Yeah. Yep. I think I, I might have to revive, uh, <laughs> oh, um, what, what do you have as a sort of a closing conversation that you are most excited about? I know the book's exciting, uh, that you want to share with people that could, you know, let's say better their life or create more wellness in their space. What, what are you, what are you most excited about that you're doing in your own life or that you're writing about or that you're talking on shows Yeah, or just have picked up lately? Well, I guess I, there's two things because I'm in a weird chapter of my life. So I'll get to that. But, um, so what I'm working on now, so last week I was in studio, which is here all week shooting for Crapsy, which is an online, it's like um, Netflix for food and okay. um, quilting and knitting and sewing and photography and like, you know, how to. Okay. So it's it's a sub- subscription based, not expensive. Some stuff's free. But so I do, I have tons of content on there. And all last week, what's been really successful on Crapsy for the viewers, what they love about my content is any day dishes. So things that I've learned during COVID where you don't have to go to the store, things you can make multiple alternatives. So, hey, I want to make that dish, but I don't have hoisin sauce. So here you can make it and you don't, if you don't have hoisin, you know what I mean? So people are loving shopping at the grocery store less or dealing with what was delivered. And I think we've all become resilient. I mean, there's a sriracha shortage right now. Right. So, I mean, we've all become resilient and like, okay, well, I can't have that, but what can I have? And I, and I think I've been helping people in that way. Like, don't give up. You can still make this. You can still make a delicious, healthy meal with what you have. I promise. So some stuff I do live and they say what they have last week, I did 25 shows recorded. So that will go, that will go up. So I'm super excited about that and sharing how to be resilient in the kitchen and not so hard on yourself. Yeah. Right. Because people are so, especially when you're feeding kids, you feel like you're, you know, you're the worst parent ever. And this is not a balanced meal and there's nothing green on your plate and just go easy on yourself. One meal doesn't change the course of a child's life or your life or your grandparents' life. It's a, it's a big picture situation. This is what we have today. Tomorrow we're going to get in a salad in you. And you know what I mean? And just look big picture and don't focus on little tiny things that you think are failures because they're not. Never. People right. people are so hard on themselves when it comes to food. And that makes me sad because I think, you know, because for me, it's a happy part of my life. But to me, it's family and sharing and um, wellness and health. And to me, health and wellness, you can't have wealth if you're not healthy, right? Yes, bingo. You're talking right? about language. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you need to be able to exercise and work. And if you're not strong, you you know, um, so, and then that brings me to where I am in my life right now. So I hate the term empty nester, but I am about, I guess, you know, I'm going to have my younger one now is going off to college as a freshman in the fall. And for me, that's tough because my whole life I've spent cooking for the people I love. And now, now what? (laughs) So, Right. So I, this is a new chapter for me. I'm excited to um, see where that takes me. I mean, I'm definitely uh, doing more video and more writing and I'm opening up my mind to maybe a whole 
maybe some maybe some travel writing and and and, and getting out there. I love doing segments in a supermarket. <clears throat> so people begin so they can say like, hey, look, this whole shelf is empty now, but let's go over here. You know, so there yeah. I don't know where it's gonna take me, but I'm not alone. There are many people in the situation that where they they have um, maybe no kids or um or kid or they're empty nesters. Uh it's just, you know, for me it's gonna be interesting to see to see where it goes. I'll keep doing what I'm doing perhaps in a different way. Yeah, we we help uh, a lot of people like sell their business, or sell their company, and then build a retirement plan. So that is a oh, that makes sense. Yeah, where you know your key does. You know what I asked is that your key doesn't work in the door anymore. You know your big shop, and we do a lot of manufacturing and blue yeah. business. Like, and you don't get a dividend anymore from your company. It just so so now what? And that is usually it's a I want to sell my company, and then there's like a for one or two years after they first say it. They don't want to because they don't want to address the emotional side. Correct. Um, you know, and one question I, w- I would share with you is, you know, and, and the emotional is, uh, I again, I'm not in your shoes, but I, I, I definitely could see it. I can't, I don't know what it does feel like for you, but, you know, in the next year, what has to happen for you to be happy with your progress personally and professionally? And not, you know, you don't have to answer that on the, on the spot, but the, thinking about that's like, well, in the next year, what, what does my next year's Robin look like? What I would like my next, cause I think I'm a thinker. <laughs> I, I lay in bed and I, and I, I think more than I sleep. Um, I, the next year's Robin, what I would like to have happen. I have, because now people are getting back in studio um, I have meetings on the East Coast when I go move my son into uh, college on the East Coast in August. I have meetings in studio to get back on the air in studio. So I'm hopeful something that's in Boston and I have some contacts in New York. And so um, for me, that would be that would be fabulous. I mean, I love what I'm doing here. I love what I do for Craftsy. I love my column in USA Today. I love all that. I love the writing the books. Getting back in studio, though, would be a thrill. I would love that because it's really, you know, you're right there. They're handling all the lights and mic and making sure everything sounds and looks good. Um, And I can just deliver my message and not have to worry about anything else. Just deliver my message and then you take care of all the technology. So that would be my dream. So, and and I'm putting that out to the universe for you, but (laughs) would you classify yourself kind of as a lone wolf? Like you don't have a massive staff. You're Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. And yet you played uh, pro lacrosse on a team. <laughs> so how, how do you use the team skills yet be alone? Like, is there a parallel that you, like, as a Lone huh? Wolf, how do you deploy? Interesting. That yeah. Isn't really your team. Is that? that yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a lone wolf because, yeah, it's interesting. But I, I think I'm also easy to work with. I mean, and I'm not, I've heard that. Last week I've heard that. So I'm a team player. Yeah. Um, and when you sit around the table, I'm a good listener. I'm a team player and I will give my opinion. I won't, uh, but I'm also open to yours. So I think um, when I say lone wolf, it really became apparent with COVID when I had to, like all of a sudden I couldn't get in studio. I couldn't do satellite media tours. I couldn't meet with clients. And I had to quickly just get my stuff together and pull out my photography lighting and use it as my lighting on my face and start pitching concepts. I did it. Um, a team building event for Wilson Sporting Goods from my kitchen. <laughs> so I just had to get out there and hustle. So that's why I say lone wolf because nobody was doing that for me. Totally. 
but um but I but I do love listening to other people's ideas. I love sharing. And there's something about, you know, when you when you play lacrosse, are you familiar with this sport? I, I and, know it, but I never played it. And the one the one thing that our coach loved is when everybody touched the ball before the goal. So one, two, three, four. So that's team. Instead of one person grabbing the ball and going all the way and shooting a goal, we passed the ball all the way down. So almost everybody touched it before we shot. And that's a whole message for life in a way, you know, everybody has a hand in it and everybody feels like they won. I think that's an amazing place to, to bookend. And I, <laughs> you couldn't have set that up uh, any better. <laughs> uh, I, and I do. I appreciate your, uh, your journey as a lone wolf. We're, we're not a massive firm, but you know, we try to use the, the partners that you have and, yeah. and be open to those things. So thanks a lot, uh, Robin. I really appreciate it. I think we need to know, though, where we can find your stuff. Where can we buy your stuff? Where can we? Well, my website, robinmillercooks.com, has about all the information about me. I have a new recipe up, at least one every single day. There are links to Discovery. There are links to Craftsy. My cookbooks are all there. It's a one-stop shop, my website. Yeah. Uh, well, I did see the banana loaf uh, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely be trying that. So thank you. It's really healthy, too. Well, I, I looked at, I, I, I thought the presentation, I think that's what really impresses me about professional uh, cooks and people like you is that the presentation is always yeah. a lot better than I can seem to get. <laughs> it doesn't matter eating it anyway. That's right. Okay, Robin, thanks a lot. Thanks, uh, Dustin. Next podcast. Awesome. Thank you. If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S. Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcasts. Thanks for listening.